Good morning, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. So good to see you all. Uh, this morning, it's funny, God gave me a lovely uh, example that's going to kick off our sermon today. I think just so happened spontaneously. But before I share with you, uh, let me ask you a question. Please don't answer out loud, but think to yourself, um, how many of us are greedy? Oh, there we go. There's a couple of honest people raising their hands. You don't need to raise your hand. How many of us battle with greed? Wow, this morning uh, it was like it was just so clear. Uh, so for somehow, somehow there was uh, we had a juice box left over from one of our kids' birthday parties, and I don't know how it happened, but two out of three were sharing. I've got three kids, and two of them were sharing this juice box. You should have seen the meticulous effort on behalf of one pause, the other chooses. You know, I mean, it was down to drops. Or oh, then there was a premature choice and a quick needed a correction. Was need. It was, I mean, we're talking a drop or two of apple juice. It wasn't even like diluted apple juice. It wasn't even proper apple. You know what I mean? It, 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 no one can outdo. I need for me. You know, you know what I mean? To be this is like this. Maybe, is it just my kids? <laughs> you none of you know what I'm talking about, hey? Yeah, you can relate, hey? We, we have this tendency to like want stuff for ourselves, hey? Greedy. Greed, Tim Keller says this. Tim Keller says of greed. Greed is a fascinating sin. It's different than most other temptations or sins because most people who are greedy don't know they are greedy when they are being greedy. Everyone committing adultery knows exactly what they're doing. Even if they say, even if they say, uh, I was carried away in the heat of the moment, they still know what they're doing in the heat of the moment, right? But greed is far more sneaky than that. Tim Keller says this. He says, some years ago, I was doing a seven-part series of talks on the seven deadly sins. Aren't you guys lucky? Uh, we, we haven't done that in a while. My wife, Kathy, told me, I'll bet the week that you deal with greed, you will have the lowest attendance, she said. She was right. People packed it out for lust and wrath and pride. Sounds like an amazing series, eh? But nobody thinks they are greedy. As a pastor, Tim Keller in New York says this, as a pastor... I've had people come to me and confess that they struggle with almost every kind of sin. Almost. I cannot recall anyone ever coming to me and saying, I spend too much money on myself. I think my greedy lust for money is harming my family and my soul and the people around me. He says, greed hides itself from the victim. The money God's modus operandi includes blindness to your own heart. With that in mind... Let's recap. Last week, Mike Massian was preaching. He preached profoundly about Sinai gates, right? The scandal of the golden calf in the book of Exodus. That's where we were last week. And now, having just been restored. Remember, Moses was up on the mountain. He was talking with God. And while that was going on, and meanwhile, back at the camp, the people were fashioning a golden calf so that they could worship it. And uh, then Moses came down and they had to deal with that. The tablets were broken. It was chaos. God restored them. And now we pick up Exodus chapter 35. We're in week 11 of Exodus. Next week, Peter's week 12. James lands us in week 13. And then we move on to our Advent series. Just for those of you guys who like to know where we're going. That's what the next two weeks look like. Exodus 35. And what we're going to look for is the power of God's grace to transform a human heart. 
I'm going to share with you after reading the big idea, and then I've got four points we're going to make, and then we'll land together as we apply it to our lives. Let's go. Exodus 35 and reading from verse 4. And then Moses said to the whole community of Israel, this is what the Lord has commanded. There's a command. This is what the Lord has commanded. Take a sacred offering for the Lord. Let those with generous hearts present the following gifts to the Lord. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat hair for cloth, tanned ram skins, and fine goat skin leather, acacia wood, and there's a bunch of other things that are listed. Verse 10, come, all of you who are gifted craftsmen, construct everything the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle and its sacred tent, its covering clasps, frames, crossbars, post bases. I'm going to explain this in a second. For those of you who are unfamiliar with what's going on, don't worry. We'll explain in a second. The ark and its carrying poles, the ark's cover, the place of atonement, the inner curtain to shield the ark, verse 17, the curtains for the walls of the courtyard, the posts and their bases, the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs for the tabernacle and the courtyard and their ropes, beautifully stitched garments for the priests to wear, while ministering in the holy place the sacred garments for Aaron the priest and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests let's pray father that that passage of scripture although we believe with all our hearts inspired by you just feels like a really far way away from our world today And so, God, as we gather around it, we ask the question, God, what could you be saying to us? We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. Speak to me personally, God, as we look at this incredible move of God in the people of Israel all those years ago. Amen. Okay, big idea today. A rescued people are a generous people who accomplish much together. A rescued people are a generous people who accomplish much together together, right? And I'm, I'm speaking this to them then, and I'm speaking this to us now. A rescued people, a rescued people are a generous people who accomplish much together. There's an incredible generosity that overflows from understanding your rescue. There's a profound generosity that comes from understanding your profound rescue. And it's incredible what God can accomplish and what a people who are, who are generous can accomplish together as well. Let's look at that together. The first point I want to make today as we look at that first chunk of scripture is the command to give. Did you see that in the front end there? And God spoke to Moses and Moses spoke to the people and there was a command to give. Let me explain what's going on there. Moses comes to the people with a message from God, and this was a command to everyone. Guys, we're going to take up an offering, and everyone is to contribute. If you're part of the family of God, this is your moment, right? So this is a command from God to give. And these are the things that you can give. Gold, silver, just, let me see, we're not taking up an offering today. Okay, just rest easy. You get, okay, it's a beautiful time to preach a text like this, where there's no, there's no agendas, there's no nothing. It's just coming to the Bible and going, what, what do we see here? These are things you can give. Gold, silver, bronze, various others, as well as, um, as, well as those who had specific skills, right? Did you see the craftsman bit? So it's not just money that people are asked to give or not just valuable, precious things, but there's treasure, there's talents, there's time. Everyone is called to give. Now, everyone is commanded to give, but notice this. It doesn't say how much you're to give. Okay, this is a free will offering. So everyone is commanded, but no one is told how much they're to give. Let those with generous hearts bring what's in their heart to bring. There's a tension here to be uh, correctly understood. Yes, there's this command to give, but it's, but it's to be willing and born in generosity too. 
It's not, this is not just like a I'll see how I feel command. It's a command. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's based on, uh, on a generosity in people's hearts. It's, it, it's fulfilled by willing hearts. It's both, both duty and delight. Right? You see the tension there? There's both at play here. So what is the giving going towards? It's to the building of the tabernacle. I'm, I'm sure for many of us we know what that is, but for many of us uh, that's a strange concept as well. Now, Pete's going to be speaking to that a little bit more next week, but the tabernacle was kind of like a, 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 a mobile temple, a temple that you can carry with you while you're walking through the wilderness before you get to the promised land and you can construct the appropriate temple. Now, what's the, pro- the purpose of the tabernacle? That's where God himself would come and live by his spirit and through the priest. They would mediate the presence of God was accessible by the people of God. This was the heart of the people. God himself present at the center of his people. And they were building his dwelling place as they took up an offering to build that. Next question maybe you've got, where did these precious metals come from? I mean, a few weeks ago they were slaves, weren't they? Where does all the gold and the silver and the bronze come from? Well, uh, if you remember back a few weeks ago, just after the 10th plague, things you never thought you'd say as a pastor, just after the 10th plague, as the Egyptians finally told them to leave, Moses told uh, the people to ask the Egyptians, Exodus chapter 12 and verse 35. They asked the Egyptians for gold and silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, in verse 36. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so they let them have what they asked. They left Egypt with a little bit of booty. Eh? And, uh, and God was the one who actually gave them favor in the eyes of the Egyptians, and so they left with all of these things. It's God who provides in the first place, but the people have a choice. Okay, so how are the people going to respond? Verse 20, let's see. So the whole community of Israel left Moses and returned to their tents. I love that. I'll talk to it in a second. All whose hearts were stirred and whose, and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. And they brought all the materials needed for the tabernacle, for the performance of the rituals, and for the sacred garments. So you've got the tabernacle, then you've got the rituals that are going to happen in that place as the priests engage with God, and then you've got the special kit that the priests would wear that makes it appropriate, right? All happening there. Both men and women came. I love that too. All whose hearts were willing. They brought to the Lord their offerings of gold, brooches, earrings, rings from their fingers, necklaces. They presented gold objects and every kind of special offering to the Lord. All those who owned the following items willingly brought them. Hang on, wasn't it a command? It was a command, but, but they willingly brought them. Purple, blue, scarlet thread, fine linen and goat hair for cloth, tanned ram skins, fine goat skin leather. And all those who had silver and bronze objects gave them as a sacred offering to the Lord. And those who had acacia wood brought it for the uh, use of the project. All the women who were skilled in sewing and spinning prepared blue and purple and scarlet thread and fine linen cloth. All the women who were willing used their skills to spin the goat hair into yarn. The leaders brought onyx stones and special gemstones to be set in the ephod of the priest's chest piece. Do you think I need an ephod with a special, I don't even know what onyx is, a special onyx chest piece right here. And they brought spices and olive oil for the light, the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. So the people of Israel, every man and woman who was eager to help in the work the Lord had given them through Moses, brought their gifts and gave them freely to the Lord. The people's response. So Moses gives them this command, this call, and then what does he do? 
He sends them all home. This is a free will offering. This, there's no manipulating. There's no music playing, right? There's no, if you want your blessing, empty your wallet. Or, I mean, I'm, I think I've, I've never seen this, but I've heard of this. If you want to bless your neighbor, empty your neighbor's wallet. <laughs> There were no credit cards and all sorts of, no manipulating and cajoling and all sorts of stuff. It was none of this. It was, guys, this is what God says. This is what he's called us to do. Now go home and talk amongst yourselves as couples. Talk amongst amongst yourselves as friends. Look at your possessions and pray. Spend time with God. Discuss with one another and bring back what God has put in your heart. I mean, it's worth saying, I really have seen some properly dodgy, manipulating stuff that's happened in the church. And I don't think, I don't think that in any way glorifies God. I don't, think it, I don't think it's good, and I'd stand against all of that stuff. But this is beautiful. God has called them to something. There's a command. It's not just, hey, if you feel like it, maybe, you know, like you can spare a little bit left of it, whatever. No, no, this is the thing that God has put before us. We're going to do this thing. But then people go before God. They're discussing. There's a, there's a real... Um, there's a, there's a will, it's clear, it's willing hearts that I play here. And the people get with God, they look at their stuff, they pray amongst each other's families, they talk, and they give generously. They give from freed, willing hearts. I suppose we could say, isn't it all God's anyway? I mean, a few weeks ago, we were slaves. We had nothing. And he bought us, he freed us, he made us free. Everything we have comes from him. When we were walking through the desert, he he fed us with food, he gave us water to drink, he gave us meat to eat. He, He protected us from the Amalekites. He fought on our behalf. Oh, everything we have comes from, of course, uh, here's, my, here's my contribution. I hope it makes a difference. It's, just, it's this beautiful, beautiful thing that happens. The next thing I want us to see here is the partnership between men and women. I love the way the text slows down, verse 22 and verse 29, and says, Both men and women came. Every man and every woman who was eager to help with the work of the Lord. It's important. The text slows down and says, hang on, this is both the contributions of men and women. I want to say, we want to be a church where both men and women can bring their very best to serve the work of God. Men, in an age where you are told you no longer have a place because of the past, I want you to know you've got a contribution to make in this body. Women, in an age where men have dominated in sinful ways, I want you to know, bring your contribution. You have got something to contribute to the work of God in this body. I love that this text makes clear the contribution of both men and women matter. 22 and 29 is super clear. They both bring their best. Verse 30, Moses told the people of Israel, The Lord has specifically chosen Bezalel, the son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. The Lord has filled Bez with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold and silver and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and carving wood. I mean, that guy's bright place must have just been awesome, right? He was the master at every craft. And the, and the Lord has given him both, has given him and Oholiab, the son of Ashmai, my, my, I'm not even going to try, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach their skills to others. 
What do we see next year? God gives his people the gifts that they need in order to accomplish the work that he's called them to do. God gives his people, he gives his church still today, the gifts that we need. And gifts in this sense are people with talents and abilities and skill sets and wisdom in order to build up the church, in order that the church is able to do what it is that God has called us to do. And there are three sources of gifting we see in this text here. The first one is, is brilliant. The first one is the Spirit of God himself uh, seems to supernaturally give this guy, um, Bezalel, these, these incredible skills. Uh, the Spirit of God comes upon him, and we see here that uh, he's given the ability to, um, uh, he's given great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all crafts. Another, another translation, the ESV says, skill, intelligence, knowledge, and craftsmanship. The first place we see gifting come from to this body is supernaturally the Holy Spirit comes upon somebody, and they're able to do things they weren't previously able to do. What were they able to do here? It's remarkable. He's given skill, he's given intelligence. I mean, just imagine coming home from school that day. <laughs> like, come on, that's amazing. Intelligence. He's given knowledge. No one wanted this guy on their quiz team before, right? Now, there's like an auction for the highest bidder to have this guy on their quiz team, right? You get, you get what's going on here. God supernaturally has given this guy amazing ability. Even artistic ability. Just wake up one morning, just want to paint suddenly. Never happened in my life, ever. But that's what happened. Supernaturally, God gets a hold of this guy's life and he gifts him in a way that's just, it's not natural. The second way we see here is there's natural skills and abilities just from life. Earlier in the passage, those who could weave, they wove, right? Uh, those who, you grew up, maybe you grew up and you had a, a mom who had this skill or a dad who had this skill and you picked it up along the way or you, you had a passion and you were interested in doing this and so you dabbled a bit and you learned and, and then you got a skill over time, right? There, there, there's, there's supernatural, God's spirit, Grabs a hold of a life. Here's a, the second one is natural abilities. And the third one, verse 34 we read, And the Lord had given uh, both him and Oliab um, of the tribe of Dan the ability to teach their skills to others. So the third place we see gifting come to the people of God is through gifted people who then teach others in that body their skills. I think we could almost say the first impulse for the work came from the Holy Spirit getting a hold of people's lives. But then afterwards, the the progression was others were trained by them in less supernatural ways. Do you see that there? Does that make sense? We see God gives gifts to his people. Some of them are natural. Some of them are supernatural. And others are simply taught in the body of Christ. The critical thing is God uses all of them. So where are you? Where are you with regard to what God has put in you? What does it look like for you to contribute the work of God or to the work of God and through this body with what God has put into you? Could you volunteer a specific skill that you've got? Do you, do you maybe need a practice or ask someone to teach you a little bit so that you can get there? Do you pray for this? Because it's a supernatural component. Do you pray for I want you to know this. As a, as a pastor, as one of the pastors in this church, I pray constantly for God to give us the gifts that we need, that we could be built up to become the body that he's called us to become. I'm praying for God to, to get a hold of men and women's hearts in order that he would, he would put gifts in us in order to bless one another, to see us built up. I'm praying that for us as a church. I'm praying that I, I prayed as a father for my children too. 
I'll put them together and I'll put my hands on their head and I'll pray for them. God, give Jack gifts that you, you've put in him. You've got a plan for his life. God, awaken these things inside of him. We, we pray as well. Worth noting as well here is um, there's a leadership structure. It's so clear. You know, you've got Moses, you, you've, got, you've got Bez as well operating, you've got some other guys there, but, 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 but there's everybody's contributing, but then there's some whom have been appointed to lead and to work out these things, and they lead, and together it works and it flows. It's, uh, it's beautiful. They all contribute, but, but so, there is gifted leadership that is deployed so as to release the body to minister as well and to bring their best. I hope you can see how practical the sermon is. What I see in these people there, and and I'm contending for in us here, is that being part of a church, being a member of a church, is not like a gym membership. Where you can like you come and you swipe your card and then you can get your benefits, right? Because you get access to the stuff that you want when you want it and at a time that suits you. That's not what we signed up for in the body of Christ. No, no, we're far more like a family where all of us get to contribute, where, 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 where you're part of the family, you belong and you contribute and you bring your best to build others up and to be a part of what God is doing. So, how does this all work out? Chapter 36 now. We skip the page and we read from verse 2. You're going to see a miracle here. Verse 2. So Moses summoned Bezalel and Oliab. And all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work. Moses gave them materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts each morning. Finally, the craftsmen who were working in the sanctuary left their work. They had to stop working. Why? They went to Moses and reported, the people have given so much more than enough. They've given more than enough materials to accomplish the job that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave the command... And the message was sent out through the camp. Men and women, don't prepare any more gifts for the sanctuary. We have enough. So the people stopped bringing their sacred offerings. Their contributions were more than enough to complete the whole project. It's an extraordinary thing, isn't it? The craftsmen couldn't keep up with the supply of materials. Imagine, for those of you guys who run businesses, I mean, you'll know cash flow is one of the most difficult aspects. That can ankle tap a business so quickly. Imagine the situation. We've got so much cash, we don't know where to invest it in the business anymore. I mean, the only place I think you, you see of that in real life business is drug dealers hiding and digging holes and burying cash in the, in the jungles, right? You hear, you hear stories of that because they, they don't know what to do with it all, you know? Yet, in the body of Christ, in generosity, there's so much more than was required because people had willing hearts. How does this happen? How does this happen to two children squabbling over a a drop of orange juice? How do we get from there to there? That's the question I want to land with today. A people who understand the incredible grace of their salvation are a generous people. A people who understand the incredible grace of their salvation are a generous people. When you know how helpless your plight was without God, think back to Egypt. And you know how graciously God saved you and redeemed you through no power and effort of your own. Think Passover, the Red Sea. And then you blow it again and make a golden calf. 
And God restores you again. Think back to the Sinai gate and the golden calf. Mike spoke about being bought twice last week. I think when, you, when, you're, when those things are not drifting off to the long, lost distance of your past and your memory, and those things are here and pressing and present when you worship and present when you're living, when, when, then when that happens, something happens in the, in the heart of a person. Where our heart softens and kind of moves away from yourself. When, when, when you understand the lengths that Christ went to to bring you in, and it was all because of his grace and his mercy that you were bought twice by God. You were bought when he made you. You were bought when he saved you. You were bought twice yourself. When you get that, then you become a generous person. You become, your, your heart is soft. Nothing is too much to ask. Nothing is too, too much to give. It's not born out of duty. It's not born out of repayment. It's not born out of investing in the future. God, if I give you this now and I do this, then will you make my crops grow? Or will you make my goods sell at the market? Or whatever, whatever. It's, there's none of, none of that here. This is rather, I was dead. I was a slave. I was powerless to be free. I had no chance. And you rescued me. Oh, God. Everything I have is yours. You rescued me. Now I'm free. I'm blessed. I've got gold. I was a slave, you know. Now I've got everything I have comes from you, God. And you are more, just you alone. The way you fed me in the desert, the way you, you protected me in the desert, the way you gave me water to drink, the way you, you, you leading me to a home. You, just you. No stuff, you, just you. You are enough for me. Oh, you become generous. This wasn't like a proportional offering. It wasn't like, okay, so here's the number. This is what we need. Okay, now if we've got how many of us, and we all divide it up amongst each other, right? And if we all give X amount, then it's really fair. Then everybody gives the same, and everyone gets to keep the same amount. This wasn't that. This, this wasn't, okay, everybody gives 10%. Is it before tax? Is it after tax? I don't know, you know. Uh, th- this, wasn't, this wasn't that. This is just, I was dead in the water, God. I was gone, a sinner. I I can't change my heart. You, that first song we were led in, for God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son to save us. God, just, just, here you go. It's a generous heart that is softened. It's a miracle Salvation has come to these people's hearts. Grace has got a hold of their hearts. And they are free to give. I don't think we're truly free until we can give things away. We think, so many of us, we think that we have our things. But really our things have got us. We have to pay to insure them. Then we have to pay to clean them. Then we have to pay to store them. Then we have to pay to maintain them. They've got us, right? Until you understand the grace of God to you and your salvation, you will always struggle to be generous. I wonder how many of us are just, we, we, we struggle to be generous because we're afraid for the future. I mean, Israel, were, they, they, these acts were alone in a desert. Yet they knew God, look in the past, protected, provided for us. The same God will protect and provide for us. If you're afraid that you won't have enough, I want to say you haven't understood your salvation. Romans 8 verse 32 says this, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for, his all, for us all, won't he also give us everything else? It's 
so foolish. Of course I can trust you. A rescued people, a forgiven people, a gospel people are a generous people. Rescued people are a generous people and God works powerfully through them. Can we stop there? Let's just do business with Jesus. Maybe, Jade, can you guys come up and just... We're not taking up an offering. But I want you to do business with Jesus. Where are you at? As, as, as Christ's people, as God's church, we, He is the head. We are the body. We are to reflect Him. In a world that doesn't. In a world in whom the image of God is still present, but is tarnished, is marred. We are to be different than our world. How do we get there? Do we try really hard? I, I, I didn't say we must do more and try harder. No, no, I said, no, you need to understand the grace of God to you and allow that to melt your heart. And then from the inside, you are different and then you live in different ways on the outside. And it's visibly different to a community. And so I want to give us an opportunity. You know where you're at. Let's stand before Jesus and let's just pray and let's just be before him. God, we need you, Lord. Our hearts, are, they, they, we tend, we're curved in on ourselves. It was Luther, I think you first said, our, our souls are incurvitous. we curved in on ourselves. We struggle to trust you, God. We're afraid. We, we, we slip into self-preservation mode. I need to secure my future. Because who else will? I'll tell you who else will. God will. God, we struggle to trust you. God, we struggle to be a generous people. But God, that's not just an action. It's in our hearts first. Jesus, remind me of my great salvation. Soften my heart. Maybe this period of COVID and squeezing for some of us has brought about a lack and that's caused fears to kick up. I'm not saying we're generous because we're in control and we've got things under our belt. Well, no. I'm saying we're generous because you're a rescued people. Because God, who did not spare his only son, how much more will he give us all things? Jesus, we need to come before you and ask you, would you, would you free us, God, like you freed those people all those years ago? That we would be a different kind of human being. With a, with a gospel response in our hearts, God. When our flesh would cause us to tend towards self. Oh, Jesus. Make me a person like you. Who in heaven lacked nothing. And yet did not count equality with God something to be grasped. But gave it all up and became a human being. A poor human being. Born in a cattle feeding trough all the wealth and riches of heaven and you became a poor carpenter son peasant in an obscure little village in the Middle East in order to bring me in God of course I can trust you 
you soften my heart, Jesus? Let's do business with Jesus as we pray.